judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. Let no one condemn you by delighting in ascetic practices and the worship of angels, uh, claiming access to a visionary realm. Such people are inflated by empty notions of their unspiritual mind. He doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, grows with the growth from God. If you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to its regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They are human commands and doctrines. Although these have a reputation for wisdom, by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence or the flesh. So, does you no good when far, as far as your sin nature is concerned? It's just religion. Um, apparently, these false teachers in Colossae uh, were made up of, of some Jewish beliefs, but also... Uh, some legalism and different things, and uh, they kind of stirred it all up in a pot and were presenting it to the people uh, as an alternative to Jesus Christ, although they probably didn't put it in that language. Um, there are still people who do that today. Uh, I was thinking about the, the visions that he talks about here. Uh, I watched a certain televangelist on TV one night, and he spent the whole time talking about the vision that he'd had the night before and uh, how it, God had showed him all these things about health, wealth, and prosperity. And he never once talked about the Word of God. He never once presented the gospel. It was all about him. And uh, there are still people today that engage in these same types of situations and uh, present false teaching to God's people. So turning from power... Uh, powerless substitutes. Um, what should we turn from? Well, first of all, turn from the traditions of men. The traditions of men. If you look at verse 8, he says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. In other words, philosophy that is based on deceit and human tradition. Um, human tradition in and of itself is not necessarily bad. Uh, there are some traditions that we have, and uh, celebrating traditions is, is, is fine and good. Uh, but don't trust in human traditions uh, for power in your walk with God, because traditions bring no power. Uh, power is found in a person. Uh, people are funny. You know, in different parts of the, of the nation, different parts of the world, they have different traditions. I remember when I was a, a kid, you know, way back in uh, the 70s, I'm dating myself, um, and most people wore suit and tie to church on Sunday mornings, and uh, most people dressed up, and I remember we went to visit my grandmother down in South Florida, and uh, I was amazed. I was walking into the service, and people were walking into the service in shorts and flip-flops. Now, some people had suits. Some people were in between, but their tradition was different. Can I tell you something? God can save somebody in shorts and flip-flops just as well as he can save them in a three-piece suit. 
uh, salvation is about the gospel. The power is found in the relationship with a person whose name is Jesus Christ. And uh, it's not necessarily about the outer traditions. That's not where the power is. The power is found in a person. And sometimes what happens in churches is tradition is elevated so much that tradition ends up turning people away from Christ. And uh, the Pharisees were a perfect example. They had their traditions, right? Uh, Mint, dill, and cumin. We're tithing all these things. That's good. Uh, we're, uh, you know, fasting twice a week. We're doing all these things. And here's our traditions. This is what we do. And if you don't do it, you're not right with God. And furthermore, you don't deserve to come and be a part of God's people. But Jesus said... I am calling out to people who are like sheep without a shepherd. And uh, the gospel says, whosoever will may come. And so Jesus ushers a universal invitation. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Uh, salvation is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Power spiritually is found in the relationship with a person and walking in Christ, walking filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so don't elevate tradition. And sometimes false teachers will use tradition and they'll make tradition the main thing and will divert people from Christ through tradition. Um, I've seen some people who... Um, I, I had a, a fellow share with me he was, he was visiting a church in, in our area. And they told him, if you don't preach out of the King James Bible, you're going to hell. And his mouth dropped up. He couldn't believe that. They said that from the pulpit. Now listen, I like the King James. I've memorized a bunch of verses in the King James. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to be saved by the King James Bible as, as far as what tr translation. Uh, the tradition about translation, God doesn't tell us which translation to use. Um, salvation is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Faith in him and faith in him alone saves a soul. And so sometimes people will focus on the wrong things. Um, I, had a, I had a good friend uh, down in, te in Texas, and uh, he talked about how legalistic his church was growing up. And they'd preach, if your hair's not a certain length, you're going to hell. And, you know, where does it say that in the Bible? That's tradition. Um, and so uh, all of these things we need to recognize. Nothing wrong with tradition. Um, and sometimes uh, understanding the tradition that you're in can help you in uh, relating to people better. But uh, traditions of men are not what saves the soul, and they're not what brings spiritual power. So turn from that if you're looking to tradition uh, for spiritual power. Secondly, turn from the principles of the world. Now, verse 8 says, uh, uh, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of this world, or the spiritual power, some of your translations, or something like that may say. But he, there's really... Both of those things go together because Jesus uh, talks about false teaching uh, and Paul talks about doctrines of demons. And so uh, there are spiritual powers that work in false teaching. Both of these things can go together, but the word is actually used to talk about the basics, the ABCs of things. 
the basic elements of a discipline, something like that. And uh, the idea is that the world has certain principles by which they operate. There are certain basic principles by which they operate, and they're different from the principles by which we operate. And he says, don't allow yourselves to be turned away from Christ by the principles of this world. Uh, The world says, be self-sufficient, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, uh, work hard, be a self-made man. God says there's no such thing. If you have whatever you have, it's because God loves you and has been gracious to you and has given you the ability to gain wealth. Um, and so uh, the, the way the world, I remember when we did the Truth Project a number of years ago, I was amazed in every different sphere of life, whether it's the family or whether it's government or the church or whatever it may be, the world has the opposite values that the church has. The world says don't discipline your kids. Let them uh, be free to self-express and to fulfill whatever their desires may be. Uh, that's foolish. Spank your kids. It'll, it'll, it'll teach them wisdom. Uh, the, God's wisdom is exactly the opposite of the world's. Uh, what about the church? Uh, the world says, well, you know, if you want to be a good Christian, keep your belief to yourself. What does God say? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Exactly the opposite. Um, you, you talk about government. Uh, the world says we need to look to government to deliver us. God says government is just an instrument that I put into place. Respect it, obey it, as long as it doesn't contradict what I say. Uh, But ultimately, you need to look to me rather than the government because I am the one who supplies your needs. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All of the world's false religions say you live a good life and you can be saved or something along those lines, whatever the idea of being saved means. Uh, You perform, you live a good life, you uh, do it yourself. The Bible says, and God says, it is by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the principles of this world are foundationally opposed to the principles of God. Don't allow the principles of this world to turn, turn you away from God's truth. Um, and don't allow yourself to be robbed of the power that you can have, first of all, to be saved, but also... To live a victorious, spirit-filled life because the principles of this world will never give you spiritual victory. Only God's principles, only the gospel, only Christ in you, the hope of glory, can give you the victorious life that you need. So turning from powerless substitutes, the traditions of men, the principles of this world, the shadows of the old covenant. Look at verses 16 and 17. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you, apparently they were, in regard to food, drink, or the matter of a festival or new moon or Sabbath day. What's he talking about here? All of these things are things that were done in the Old Testament worship. Okay? Uh, The dietary laws, uh, the things that uh, they were to drink or the things that they were to do. And the the new moons were those, those, uh, every moon, lunar cycle, uh, they would have... uh, these different things that they would do, these feasts and celebrations that they would do. 
And so he says, don't, don't let them judge you in regard to these things. Don't let them judge you in regard to the Sabbath day. Um, these things are the shadows and Christ is the substance. What does he mean by that? All these things look forward to Christ. And it is true that uh, in regard to the Sabbath day that we do um, have carry along that principle of rest found in relationship with God. And we live in that and we're supposed to do that. We're not supposed to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as Hebrews says. But as far as Sabbath observance in the Old Testament sense, uh, that was a picture of the rest that you find in Christ. And so uh, rest, true spiritual rest, true spiritual victory, true, true spiritual holiness is not found in, in doing a bunch of ceremonies. It's found in relationship with a person, Jesus Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. So don't let them judge you with regard to these things. Some people say, well, you know, why aren't you doing all these, these uh, rituals and fulfilling these Old Testament laws? Well, that's the shadow. I've got Jesus. <laughs> I've got the real McCoy. I remember I used to play with model cars and I'd make model cars and uh, do that when I was a kid. And, uh, but now I've got a real car. <laughs> what I need with a model car. And so, um, you know, why would, I, why would I spend a whole lot of time working on a model car when I've got the real thing? Just enjoy the real thing. And so, uh, Jesus, the real one. The real one that brings salvation, the real one that brings spiritual victory has come. So uh, don't, uh, don't sweat all the Old Testament shadows. Uh, you've got the real McCoy in Jesus Christ, and he can save, and he can bring spiritual victory. So the traditions of men, the principles of this world, the shadows of the Old Covenant. Next, the worship of angels. Look at verse 18. Let no one condemn you by delighting in ascetic practices. Ascetic practices were simply doing things to, to uh, basically that were hard on you. Like um, some, of the, some of the monks would have uh, long periods of fasting. Uh, and, uh, or they might, uh, Martin Luther went up these stairs on his knees on broken glass as a, as a uh, ritual, uh, an ascetic practice. Uh, sometimes they would um, pray on their knees for long periods of time. All these things, it, they were doing these things to kind of try to uh, abuse their body and try to bring it into subjection. And it, There is such a thing as bringing your body into subjection, but doing these outward things to your body doesn't change your heart. And that's the problem. Martin Luther was so uh, filled with a sense of a strong conscience that nothing that he did ever eased his guilt. And he finally discovered that wonderful truth that salvation comes. Justification is by faith in Jesus Christ. And it revolutionized his life. He was never the same because he came into a relationship with the living Christ. And all those rituals just fell away. That he was able to worship Christ in spirit and in truth. And uh, I want you to know something. There's no, no substitute for a relationship. With Jesus Christ. Uh, but they're talking about the worship of angels here. Um, they delight in ascetic practices in the worship of angels. Um, the Roman Catholics pray to angels today. Isn't it amazing how 2,000 years ago the issues are the same? He says, he says look, wor worshiping angels doesn't do you any good. Besides which, it's idolatry. 
There's only one person you're supposed to worship. And that's Jesus Christ. That's our, our one true God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The one true God is expressed in three persons. He's the only one. You shall worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Worship of angels can't do you any good. Um, the worship of angels, praying to angels, um, apparently has survived over quite a long period of time. But the Bible does say that angels are helpers for us, that God sends them for his purposes to help us, but that we're not to pray to angels, we're to pray to God. He is the one true source that we have. So again, we're pointing back to a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, he says in verse 18, Such people are inflated by empty notions of their unspiritual mind. He doesn't hold on to the head. In other words, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. From whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, grows with growth from God. Nourished and held together. I had a pastor friend who, who told me one time, he said, sometimes I feel like I'm just uh, trying to hold my church together and that everything could just fall apart at any moment. Uh, Maybe you've had an experience like that in your life. You feel like, well, I'm trying to hold everything together and I can't. Um, aren't you glad as a child of God that you may not be in control of your life, but God is? You may not be in control of the, what happens in your family or in your church or in any other sphere of life, but God is. He says the whole body is held together by Christ. It's not because you got a smart preacher if the body stays together, Okay. It's not, it's not uh, some human ingenuity that does it. It's the power of Christ. And he's the one who nourishes the body. He ministers through the power of his Holy, Holy Spirit in us. And he nourishes us and holds us together. And the body grows to fulfill God's purpose. Angels can't do you any good. Uh, <laughs> we... Years ago, um, there was an evangelist who came and spoke, and he said, uh, you know, he had his the word doctor by his name in the, in the uh, phone book, and somebody called his house and said, I need, uh, I need your, your uh, father to come see me. I'm sick. And she said, oh, he's the kind of doctor that can't do you any good. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, sometimes people go to the wrong place for the wrong thing. But listen, I want to tell you, every time you come to Jesus, he can do you good. He is the source of everything good for us. And then finally, you want what uh, powerless substitute should you turn from? Turn from the legalism of men. Um, he said, if you died with Christ to the elements of this world, this is verse 20. Why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used out there. Human commands and doctrines. Whenever somebody comes up with a list that's not contained in Scripture, that's legalism. Now, you can have a list for yourself. If God lays it upon your heart and gives you a conviction that you shouldn't do certain things or you shouldn't go certain places, 
you know, that's perfectly good. That, that may be healthy for, for you in some cases because uh, God knows what your weaknesses are and you know what your weaknesses are. Maybe it'd be smart uh, to be wise in the decisions that you make. But it becomes legalism when you apply your list to somebody else and you say, you've got to do this. There are two kinds of legalism. One kind of legalism is what I call soft legalism, and that's where you say, in order to be a good Christian, you have to fill in the blank, something from your list. The other kind of legalism is what I call hard legalism. Uh, In order to be saved, you have to fill in the blank, and that's heresy because there's nothing else you can do to be saved but put your trust in Jesus Christ alone. So legalism is that human system of rules. By the way, if you are living under legalism, you are miserable. Because I want to tell you something. You can't please everybody. And if you please this person, you won't please that person. If you please this person, you won't please that person. It's a futile, miserable situation. Just, just, Just throw up your hands and get over it and make it your goal to please Jesus Christ. And as you do that, in the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll bless you in that. Um, what are some, some cases of legalism? Well, I, there's, there's some organizations, they bought, boycott so many different companies, I don't even know how they eat. They, they're boycotting everybody. Listen, I, I've had people sometimes give the impression, well, if you're not boycotting this particular institution, you're not right with God. Listen, I want to tell you something. If you are serving Christ and you are doing what he tells you to do, buy what you want to buy. Live in the freedom in Christ that you have. Now, if God lays it on your heart to boycott something, boycott something. But you know what? Uh, Don't feel like you have to fall under what everybody else thinks you have to do. Uh, I remember, I've told you this before, but... We'd have these speakers come to chapel, and they all had different ministries, and every, almost every one of them gave the impression, if you're not doing this ministry, you're not right with God. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You do the ministry God calls you to, okay? Listen, there's enough trouble in this world trying to fulfill the calling that God has given you without trying to fulfill the callings he hasn't given to you. Uh, do what God tells you to do. Uh, but the legalism of men, sometimes legalism will... will deal with clothing or uh, with what you eat or the places you go, uh, those kinds of things. And, um, and so be aware of uh, wisdom, okay? It's one thing to tell someone, I think it'd be wise if you didn't go there, okay? That's different than saying, if you, don't, if you go there, you're not right with God. Because wisdom... You can give counsel to somebody, and that may be very wise counsel. And you may say, hey, this person has, has had these issues in his, in his life, and if they go to this place, you, you know that, that uh, it may not be good for them. It may not be wise. Uh, give the counsel. That's fine. But don't cross the line into legalism because we have one Lord. There's one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. And we bow the knee to him. So breathe a, a breath of relief. You don't have to please the whole world. All you have to do is please Jesus. Uh, I, I, remember, uh, I remember my dad telling me what his view of being a pastor was. 
uh, were serving in the church before he was saved. He said, uh, he said, I would never do that. Because everybody in the church is your boss and you can't please any of them. <laughs> and uh, he said, what a miserable existence. Of course, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that I'm the under-shepherd, right? So I, I'm responsible to the Lord. But, um, but it is funny sometimes how people will view things. And if you're not careful, you can find yourself in a miserable situation of legalism. So um, turn from the legalism of men. Why should you turn from these different things? Well, look at what it says in verse 23. Although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence or denying the flesh, the old nature. All of these different things we've talked about, these powerless substitutes, can't help you live a victorious Christian life. Not on one of them. Only Jesus can help you do that. That's why he goes through these things. He says, look, sometimes you just got to recognize what doesn't work so that you can turn to the one who can supply all that you need. And, you know, that's, that's the whole purpose of this section of Scripture. He says, listen, all the fullness of deity dwells in Jesus Christ, and you are complete in him. Can I, can I uh, tell you that song, Christ is all I need, is absolutely true. Christ supplies all we need to live a Christian life. He has all the power. Now, you say, well, I, I'm struggling in my walk. Well, as you learn, as you grow, you learn how to use what God has given us, what Christ has given us, how to walk in Christ, how to walk filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, that's going to be a lifelong process. I'm still learning, and I'm sure you're still learning. Um, Paul said, not that I have attained. Uh, so if he hasn't attained, neither have we, I don't think. Uh, but he said, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so we can certainly do that. And we can say, Lord Jesus, I look to you. All my trust is in you. For my salvation, uh, for my victory in, Christian, in the Christian life, for my service for you, everything about me, I put my trust in you. And I ask you to live your supernatural life through me. Uh, so that I can walk in victory. And if that's your heart, then God can uh, work in your life in a supernatural way. So turn from those powerless substitutes and turn to the only true source of spiritual power, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us what we need to turn from uh, and what we need to rely on, who we need to rely on, Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and God, I, I pray that uh, you would help us learn to do that, Father. Teach us how to keep our sins confessed and how to ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, how to surrender to you and trust in you on a regular basis.